Today on the Relax Running Podcast, we have an old mate of mine. I say old mate. So uh, Lydia O'Donnell is a New Zealand marathon, half marathon runner, who we kickstarted our international career together pretty much, pretty much. She had, I think she had a sneaky little international trip before this one. But in 2010, myself, Lydia, Jess Stenson, um, Liam Adams, and a few of few other athletes went over to Kingston in Canada to compete at the World University Cross Country Champs, and we became good buddies. Uh, Lydia O'Donnell at the time was 19, and uh, she was there as a part of the New Zealand team, which was a small team. So uh, the Aussie team took her under our wing and uh, travelled around Canada, uh, causing some chaos for, I think it was about 10 days. Since then, Lydia's gone on to become, uh, she's a 72-minute half marathon runner. She's run 230, I want to say 8, 239. It's 238 or 239 for the marathon. Um, she's on the hunt to take that down as well, which we talk about a little bit in this podcast. She's also a, a marathon or a distance running coach. You can find all of her stuff at LydiaO'Donnell.com. She's got training programs from the 5K all the way up to the marathon, and we talk about that a little bit here. Really interesting just to pick Lydia's brain about you know her progression through running and dealing with difficulties and the mental side of running. We get quite a lot into the psychology and, and the mindset side of the sport, which I always enjoy chatting about. We've also got some plans to do another podcast in the next couple of weeks, so keep your eyes out for that. If you really enjoy this podcast with Lydia, make sure you'll see her coming on here in the next few weeks with some, some really good material. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Rundy's Undies Athletic Underwear, um, the great Jess and Dylan Stenson's brand. These uh, these undies, I'm so I'm so loyal to them now. I'm I've literally, I promise you, I don't just say this for the podcast. I am wearing them right now. They seem to be the only undies I ever wear. Not the same pair. I've got multiple pairs. It's not like I'm unhygienic and just don't wash my clothes and never take. I do wash them, but I got about six or seven different pairs now. So they just uh, they started out as my favourite rundies. They started out as my favourite undies, I should say, just for running. But they've gradually just become my favourite undies. So all distance runners, all relaxed running members can get a twenty five percent discount off any of their products. So if you go to rundies.com.au, find the stuff you're looking for. Whether it's socks, crop tops, shirts, jock. I think I just made up the socks thing. I don't think they sell socks. I don't know. They might prove me wrong. Go and have a look at their website. Maybe they do. But they've got a whole range of undies, briefs, um, little cheeky G-banger, which I told you I was wearing a couple of weeks ago. Very comfortable. Highly recommend it. Um, enter the coupon code uh, for those of you who just came here and was like, wow, why did Tosh just tell us that? It was, a, it was a funny joke from an introduction a few weeks ago. Don't worry about it. It's Just forget I said it. Go to rundies.com.au. Find what you're looking for. If you like something, type in this coupon code, RELAXRUNNING25. That, that RELAXRUNNING is all in capitals. RELAXRUNNING25 to get a 25% discount. Don't forget to put in the coupon code either. I reckon some of you have been going over there and buying stuff for forgetting the discount. What are you doing? You're 25% off that. Also, I told you last week, Relax Running does AFL programs, preseason programs. We've got over 100 sessions. We've got training from October through to April. Every day of your training for every player on the field sorted. We've got training for injured players. We've got options for individual players and coaches. So if you know any AFL players or you are an AFL player or coach, you can do with a little bit of guidance this preseason. Jump over to relaxrunning.com, hit AFL Running and have a look there. We take on 50 clubs around Australia each year. We've got 13 spots still available. The reason we do that is because obviously we want to keep our communication really open with the coaches that we work with. So jump on board, take up those last 13 spaces if you need it. Anyway, guys, let me get out of your way and bring to you the superstar from New Zealand, my good mate, Lydia O'Donnell. The last time that we caught up was in 2010, 
And my inspiration for reaching out to you was obviously I did the, the podcast with Jess Trengove. Jess Stenson. I say Trengove because I swear everyone remembers her as Trengove. Um, it's Jess Stenson now. Sorry, Jess. And uh, she goes, oh, you need to get Lydia on the podcast. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's going to be awkward reaching out to her because you have no idea who I am. But you've either become the, the king faker and you've done an amazing job pretending that you remember me and you know who I am. Or you actually do. So 10 years has flown by, hey, since Canada. I know. I know. It's so crazy that it was 10 years ago. It just seems like it was yesterday. But no, I definitely remember you. And yeah, I was saying I remember the whole Australian team because you guys were so nice and welcoming to me and the other Kiwis. So it was just good to have people around us, especially like I was pretty young. Like I think I was 19 at the time. And it was not obviously on the other side of the world and a pretty big event to go to. So it was just nice to have you guys all around here. <laughs> guys, my friends for life. <laughs> was that your first international trip? I had um, done secondary school cross country probably about three or four years prior to that, and that was in Italy. Um, so that was world champs over there. So that was the first kind of like yeah international trip I had done, and this was the second one. But obviously, when I went to world cross after secondary schools, I had a whole team around me. So being by myself, it was um, pretty interesting. Yeah, how did you go in Canada? <laughs> Well, this is a whole other story. Oh, man, I don't know if it you might have been the same this. as me. Yeah, not good. Um, and it was pretty disappointing because I guess it was such a big event. I'd trained pretty hard for it, and I was so excited to be lining up on the world stage. I got there, and I think I got pretty excited, and I started out pretty strong. And then I think it was about 3 or 4K. It was 5K cross-country. I think 3 or 4K in, I passed out. <laughs> and I remember oh, oh, wow. waking up. Yeah, I woke up in an ambulance being like, what? Oh, yeah, man. I, I just I think I completely buried myself and it was like I just remember it being so cold I think it was like three degrees or something and I just did not perform or I still don't perform that well in that cold it was so cold I remember standing on the start line and thinking mate I would love to be in a spa bath right now this is horrendous <laughs> my um the worst part for me was my mum had my whole family around at her house because the the race was live streamed which was pretty cool for 2010 and yeah. uh, so the family was sitting around our TV, which mum had it hooked up to. And uh, after about 500 metres, people started going, I can't see, I can't see Tice. Like there, that's the front pack. And I can see the second pack behind him. Where's, where's Tice? And, and I don't think they saw me once for that whole race. It was a, really? I see photos with me with the Australian singlet on and I go, okay, that looks good. And then when people say, how did you go? I go, you know what? Don't get too caught up in results. Let's just look at the photos and admire <laughs> that Aussie outfit because the, uh, the answer to that question is pretty ugly. But man, that's pretty hardcore. Like the fact that you well, passed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was young, I was naive, it was my first world champ, so I was kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to go for it, and um, not realising, you know, I was racing some of the best athletes in the world, like now I look at some of those names, even Jeff, you know, I'm like, well, what was I thinking trying to compete against some of those girls? Seriously. But it was good, it was good fun. Yeah, I, I get. I don't even uh, ask that question to myself anymore. Like, why was I trying to compete against Jess? I reckon she would, she would kick my ass right now. It is crazy, because... Do you know Liam Adams as well? Yeah, I know so Liam. Liam Adams was on that team. And, yeah, I'm sure there were some other other good success stories that came out of the Aussie side. But, obviously, Jess just went on to bigger and better things. When, whenever I talk about that trip, I say that's where I kick-started my international career. And I always feel like such a fraud because it's like, mate, that was your only international race settled in. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a good one to be at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a pretty beautiful place to race. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was the pretty much the start of your your big international career, and I've missed all the highlights in between that. So, give us, give us, and the, or give me and the listeners a bit of an overview of of your career. I looked at your PBs, and I reckon your marathon is your your best PB. Is that your was that your event in the end? Like, where did you see yourself as being at your best? Um, yeah, I, I'd like to think it's still to come, but <laughs> um, the marathon is something I jumped into. I think about four or five years ago. Now, Melbourne Marathon actually was my first marathon. And I really just did it to see, I, I wanted to experience what a marathon was to feel like. I think I was about 25. So I guess that's still relatively young for a marathoner. You know, like I, I, I see a lot of younger girls trying to, and guys trying to race marathons now. And I'm like, no, wait, like be patient. But yeah, I, I, I just wanted to do it. I kind of felt like I was at a position in my running career where I wasn't getting any faster over the shorter stuff. So why not just kind of push it out? 
And when I ran my first marathon, I ran 2.39. And I think that kind of surprised me because I had no expectations. And I honestly didn't even know what marathon times were. Like I was kind of just like, oh, yeah, that's 2.39, it's fine. And I came back to NZ after that race and people were like, wow, that's a really solid run. And I think you have like a future in marathoning. And so I guess, you know, 2016 to 2018, 19, I was kind of like, yeah, marathon is my thing and it's what I want to chase. Um, a few ups and downs within those four years. But last year, I guess I had this idea of wanting to chase um, the world champs team. And so I kind of committed myself. I moved to LA for about three months to train with a group over there and um, really just gave it everything to qualify for world champs. And the qualifying time was 2.37 and 2.39 was still my PB at that time. Um, and so I thought it was pretty realistic to, you know, get to this 37 and the shape that I was in when I was training for the qualifying race, which was Gold Coast, I was very confident I could run it, you know, even sub 235. I, was, I feel like I was in that sort of shape. And then it came to the Gold Coast qualifying race and um, it just did not go to plan at all. I think I kind of had cooked myself a little bit. I was a little bit burnt out, a little bit sick. And I just, I actually ended up pulling out of the Gold Coast Marathon last year, which was pretty disappointing. But um, I think at that point, I was like, oh, maybe marathoning isn't for me. I mean, it's a tough race. Have you, have you run a marathon? Oh, I don't want to tell you about my marathon experience, but I, I will answer your question. The answer is yes, and I wish I hadn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think that after every marathon, but if you give me a couple of weeks, I'm already back training for the next one. Uh, so, yeah, I, I finished. So, I got 33, I think it was 33 or 34K into Gold Coast. Um, when I had the pull pin and at that moment I kind of was contemplating just giving up running as it was I was just like this is not working for me I, yeah. you know I'd given everything my time my money my effort my training everything to pour, was poured into this one event which just didn't work out and so it was a pretty dark time for me and this point of my I guess, running career where I had to kind of pivot either were either quit or you know take back the seriousness of it or, um, or you know, realize that there is much more to running than just the results and the times and the teams that you make. And thankfully, I, I jumped back on that horse. And within a, I think I decided to run Sunshine Coast Marathon like four weeks later just to prove to myself that I could finish a race. Um, so I went into that one with no expectation. And I was kind of like, I just want to get to the finish line. And I had a blast. Like I ran out the front the whole time I had the cyclist with me we were just yarning the whole time I didn't really even think about what time or pace I was running um and ended up winning that race and like out really strong so I guess from there it gave me like two or three months of like running quite well like I I ended up um all the training that I had done earlier in the year was really paying off at the back end of the year I just unfortunately the timing didn't work out well for me to run well when it kind of mattered but at the back end of last year, I ended up running a huge um, half marathon PB. So I think I ended up with 72.40, which that oh, was wow. at least two minutes off my previous PB. And I think, to be honest, that's probably the strongest performance I've had. I I don't know. I'd love your take on it, but I, I think that time's probably stronger than my marathon time. Well, I actually didn't see that. I didn't see that on your PB list that I saw, and I agree. I reckon I reckon that's a pretty good sign that you're in shape to to blast out a good marathon. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's such a um, the marathon's such an all encompassing event, isn't it? Like you've got to put in so much time and so much effort to your training, recovery, diet, and everything else that goes along with it. That when you when you have a bad race, it feels like you're so far from your goal. But at the same time, to kickstart with like a um, a, a 2.39 and then come out and not have your best race. I re- what are you, 29.30? Yeah, I'm 30 now. Oh, man, you're set. I, that's the beauty with the marathon as well, that you've got so much time up your sleeve still to be able to bust out some good ones. Um, 2.35, 100%. I got you, I got you, I got you picked. When, when does a – I guess it just depends on when everything starts to open back up again, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, we all know it's been a pretty tough year and I did plan on heading over to the US and racing some of the majors over there, well, a major over there. Um, but, uh, yeah, obviously that was yeah put on hold. So hopefully this time next year we'll be back racing some of the big races. I'm not sure if anything will happen between now and then. Who really knows? It would be nice to run a marathon kind of March or April next year, but I don't want to get my hopes up. Yeah. Who, which group were you training with in, in LA? 
Uh, so I was working with a coach called Blue Benetton. He's actually the Nike coach in LA, and that's kind of how I met him and through a race that I did with the Speed Project, which is a ultra relay race. Um, and so he's got a group over there called Run With The Lads, and he's got some pretty solid athletes. I was training with a lot of the boys, so it was it's really nice just having a group of guys who, um, you know, aren't, I guess, at the elite, elite level, and they're at a level where they're still pushing me pretty well, but it's not like they're giving up their training to train with me. So I loved it over there. Like, I, I just love LA, and um, Blue is a hard ass. Like, his training is pretty intense. The day we did... I think it was um like a 50k training day split into two workouts, one workout oh. in the morning, one workout at night. <laughs> and like that sort of stuff I just never done before. And I think I was kind of like, you know what, I'm I'm old enough now and I'm conditioned enough and I've got the miles in my leg to just push the button a little bit and see how far I can go and um, what my body can withstand. And like I held the breath together pretty well. Yeah, it wasn't that like I got the Gold Coast and I was injured. It was more that I was just... I had suffered a bit of sickness and I think I just kind of got over that little hump of like peaking. So yeah, yeah, I definitely learned a lot through that process. <laughs> That's a brutal day at the office. I tell you what, if any coach of mine ever said to me, we're going to have a 50K day, I probably would have left that coach. So that just shows your commitment to that. And that's not because it's a bad move. That's just because I'm a little bit soft now. I've finished my running career. <laughs> but what, um, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about just when you mentioned that you were over in the States is I'm always fascinated to find out that I feel like Aussies especially, and I'm pretty sure New Zealanders would be pretty similar. Like the, the training programs all seem pretty similar like you'll do your Sunday long run your Monday easy Tuesday session Wednesday longer you know the drill like was it was it a big shake to the system moving over there and training with that crew with the with the approach to the work that you're doing much different to what you'd been doing in in NZ yeah pretty different I went from a very conservative coach who uh, I would say he's worked with a lot of females but also works with a lot of males and I find that with men you kind of need to hold them back a little bit more um, and so he always played the conservative approach with me. Um, and then I went from him to like the complete opposite, <laughs> who was like, you can do this, just do it. Like, you you know, I don't want excuses. I think you can push these paces and push these distances. And so I guess I'm someone who's super driven. I love, you know, the pain game. I love a challenge, like put it in front of me. And I'm a really big believer in like the power of the mind and the mental strength of running. And, um, that's what I just like I frothed it over there because every day it was like you get that like nervous feeling of like am I going to get through this training <laughs> session today I don't know but like I don't really have an option so uh, I really love that but I also understand that sometimes that's not what we need or especially females like it's maybe not the way we need to train all the time I think there's definitely a time and a place for it looking back on my training I think what I was doing it obviously got me super fit but I probably just pushed it out a little bit too far I think if I had started kind of that build up a little bit later I think I started in um, April to race in July I think if I'd started that more like May and I had only done you know six weeks of that really heavy training I think I would have performed better than starting a little bit earlier so yeah it was a huge shift for me in terms of like our training approach but in Auckland and New Zealand I trained pretty much by myself so my coach Chris Sloan who's amazing who's I'm still working with now he um is very much like it's in your hands here's your program get it done like I'll come out on the bike with you when you need to but like majority of the time I was just training by myself um I was coaching so I did have the opportunity to run with my athletes a lot but that was definitely not about me that was more just getting the girls that I worked with out running but yeah going from that to LA to having like a you know we had maybe 15 or 20 athletes that met up pretty much every day to run was amazing and, and now being in Melbourne and being surrounded by the running community and having people every day to run with I mean it just shows a whole other side of the sport and makes me enjoy it even more plus it kind of shows in your results like working with people definitely helps yeah, no, that's awesome. Who have you been running with in Melbourne? So I run with the Hunter Athletics crew. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty fun group of people. I think there's like maybe 150 or so people in our community and huge level of um, athletes. We go from like absolute beginners to, you know, you're, we've got some guys pushing probably 230 marathons now. So um, there's like a massive variety of ability, which I love because, you know, if I want to go for an easy run, I'll just call up on one of my easy runners. And if I want to go for do a hard session, then I'll go to some of the guys and be like, this is what we're doing. So 
yeah, it's so cool. And having that support network around me, it's just something that, yeah, I never really had at NZ. So just being part of the community here is so good. And yeah. I feel pretty lucky. Man, Hunter Hunter have done something so well. Like I remember in that marathon that we're not getting into details about that I did just a couple of years ago, um, I, was, I was running in a group and for the first half of the marathon, it was going beautifully. And I was, there was probably a group of about 15 boys and we're all having a chat and there was a couple of guys in there with their Hunter singlets on. Anyway, yeah, we love <laughs> oh well, I had my um, I had my mum, my wife, and my mum's dog out on the marathon course cheering me on, and uh, they were very nice, very encouraging. But as I went past a few different spots, I was like, "Yeah, really well done, Ty's looking good." Anyway, the bloody hunter crew were out there, and I reckon there was about twenty five blokes just standing in all different parts of the course. That every yeah. time we went past, they were going mental at a couple of other athletes. And I just remember saying, "Mate, I've got to update my cheer squad." And I was actually <laughs> in the early stage of the marathon when I was feeling so good. I was having a chat with a couple of boys, and I was saying to them, "Mate, I hope you don't mind, but I've claimed all those cheers as my own because I need all the help I can get." But um, what are, what are the boys doing? Yeah. Like. What is the crew doing so well? Because there's there's obviously there's a few good groups in Melbourne, like, um, but Hunter just seems to have struck a nerve. I, I was looking at your Instagram page um, last night, and I reckon one thing that you guys nail is is how everything's just done super well. I look at Hunter and I'm like, they got a good outfit. It's, it looks very modern. Like the photos are amazing. They're super clear. Uh, it just, yeah. I was looking at your Instagram page going, mate, I'm going to have to lift my game in so many respects because all my photos are, are like selfies of me and my wife and like a couple <laughs> of a couple of meals I've attempted to cook and I thought far out, like this is not an attractive place to be. Whereas yours is like, you know what, she's she's struck a chord here. There's something here and I feel like that filters through from from Hunter as well. Like have you have you figured out the secret ingredient <laughs> that, that they yeah. use? <laughs> Hunter is amazing, and the boys that started Hunter, um, Riley, Karen, and Andy Sargent, just they are the perfect combination of guys to bring something to life like Hunter. Their their community, um, you know, Andy Sargent's an amazing brand guy. He does a lot of design work that's just incredible. He even works with big brands like Nike, so you can imagine like his experience and his creativity is insane. And then someone like Riley, who's an insane photographer um who just like worked all around the world shooting amazing athletes like bringing the combination of those guys together is just i think that's kind of like why hunter is doing so well and has attracted so many people and i guess if we look at globally like run crews around the world it's just become such a big thing and it's amazing because when I guess you're similar to me, I think back in the day when we were growing up, running was kind of like that geeky sport that, you know, you kind of only did if you weren't good at anything else. And the uniforms were always naff. And, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you're a runner. <laughs> like, oh, I wish I had and, my phone here to show you because, sorry to interrupt, I was looking at photos of, of me last night on that Canada trip and the, the clothes that I was wearing, I'm so embarrassed to be seen wearing it. But anyway, keep going because what you're saying is good. But I, you've oh, just struck a chord, a personal chord with me and my fashion sense back in the day. <laughs> well, the, the, I guess the, the idea of these running crews is they're so welcoming. Like they're not just for like elite athletes. They're for everybody. And it, and you might not take running as seriously as the person next to you or you might have a completely different background or you've grown up in a different town or city or country. Um, but you kind of all come together and unite through the sport of running. And I think because of that and having not running, not being this like be all and end all, and it's this very serious element to it. You have these people coming into the world that are creative, you know, and they do think in different ways and they're not just like running, you know, run, 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 run. It's all we do. Um, and there is like a style and a speed and a culture to the sport that hasn't really been seen before, you know, like the culture of athletics. When you think back 10 years ago, it was just this pure geeky world. Whereas now, like, I see people who are so, like, quote-unquote, like, cool, you know, like, um, wanting to get into running because they've seen other people running and the whole, like, I guess, um, persona of being a runner now is like you've got the cool kit, you've got the cool shoes, you're healthy, you're fit, you care about your, ha- your house, your physical health and your mental health. And, like, a lot of people through Hunter and it's, through running in general that I have met, I think majority of people do run for their mental health. And I guess that's kind of really a nice way that people connect through the sport as well. You know, like um, 
they all kind of like did each other. I feel like most runners are there to like just make themselves really just feel better, but we kind of just don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Actually, you know, I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute because I was looking through your website as well yesterday, just trying to figure out where exactly I should take the conversation. I noticed that mindfulness was a big part of sort of your motto with the coaching and stuff that you do. But um, just to, I know a couple of the boys that you mentioned. Well, I, I actually, I used to run with Kieran up in Ballarat probably in about 2007, 2008. Actually, a couple of times he came to my house and I beat him at Sony PlayStation. So I'm not sure if he remembers that, but um, there's some fond memories of mine. But he's a he's a good fella, isn't he? Like he's a he's that real extroverted kind of like that just I can – I actually don't know him really well, but the couple of times that I've seen him in the last 10 years, he's the easiest bloke in the world to talk to. I actually saw him last, I reckon, three years ago at the Veggie Bar in uh-huh. – I think it's in Fitzroy or Collingwood, and he had the most yeah. gorgeous moustache going on that I'd ever seen. And uh, yeah. I just felt like less of a man being around it. But at the same time, he's just, uh, he's got that vibe about him that makes you think, you know what, like I, I could be pretty happy uh, running around in your group. And and Riley Wolf, I don't know, but awkwardly, like this is this is the extent of my knowledge in the in the world of Instagram and media. Like I would interview someone for the podcast and then I'll just go to their Instagram page and I'll see a sick photo and I'd be like, oh, good, it's their photo. Um, just, I'll just use that photo and post it anyway so i probably did about 30 podcasts or maybe 40 podcast interviews and i was just doing that and then all of a sudden i was like hang on a second like all these photos look really well done and i'd started to hear a little bit about what actually got me was i posted a photo from a a bloke who is he's a yoga instructor at a studio and i went to his page found a sick photo posted that and i was like that looks amazing and then i got an email from the yoga studio saying hey can you please not use our material it's copyright and i was like Oh crap, I'm so sorry. Anyway, so I thought I better just go back and have a look at some of these photos that I've been posting of these athletes. And I reckon 98% of them were Riley's um, or at the Wolverine on, on Instagram. And I was like, oh no. So I messaged him. I'm like, bro, I'm so sorry. I've just realized that I've been stealing all your photos. I was like, happy to take him down or whatever. He's like, mate, don't stress. He goes, just, um, he goes, can you just, uh, shoot me in a little tag or whatever so people know where to find the photos? And, um, and and it's all good. And I was like, bro, like, thank you so much. So ever since that moment, I've had this soft spot for him as well. Because I was like, yeah. if that was my material, I would have I would have tried to fight the other guy. <laughs> but, yeah. The thing about Riley is he's such an advocate for the sport and for running, you know. And and it's all three of the boys are. Um. And so I don't. Yeah. I feel like he won't have a, an issue with it as long as we are encouraging people and educating people and you know spreading the running love. <laughs> Yeah, and any bloke with tattoos like him, I'm not going to start a fight with either. Because he, just, <laughs> he looks really tough. He looks like he's yeah. as tough as I would like to aim to be. <laughs> he is. That's good. So did you only meet those boys once you got to, to Melbourne? Or how did you get involved with Hunter? Yes, yeah, so I actually met the boys, um, I would say, nearly three years ago now. I was invited to be part of the Speed Project, which is this ultra relay that I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. um, and it's based in america so it's a race from la to vegas which is approximately 550k and you run through death valley and some of the most horrendous like it's beautiful but like the conditions you're running through are horrible (laughs) um it's definitely the hardest race i've ever done and kind of like the most um life-changing experience i've ever had and i was invited to do this race with a with a co-nike coach maddie door i'm not sure if you know him he's more of like an ultra based runner um, he was based here in Melbourne and he invited me to be part of the team, um, the Hunter team, which Andy, Karen and Riley were all part of as well. So I actually hadn't met them and we, we met the first time in LA, um, and did this crazy experience together. And I think when you go through something like that with someone, you kind of are bonded to that person for life. So I just created some really amazing relationships with those guys through that. And then we continued to, um, talk and work together just on a few um, I guess tempo journal things that uh, Riley Wolf works on um, throughout the last couple of years and then when I made the move to Melbourne obviously um, it was pretty cool to have those guys and already have a community that I could join so yeah I'm pretty pretty grateful to those That's three. awesome. Here I am telling you that I'll, like once these lockdowns end we'll catch up and I'll hook you up with some new friends and we'll be your new friend and it turns out you've got more friends in Melbourne than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always welcoming more friends. I think. Fantastic, fantastic, because I need as many as I can. All right, so please, please don't change your mind. <laughs> I was trying to cover it in the uh, in the facade that I was doing you a favour, but really the favours are coming from your angle. No, that's awesome. So with this, with this uh, relay that you did in the States, how far was your leg? Because that sounds like a leg that you'd want to keep short and sweet through death. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. So the 550Ks are split between six people um, and you don't run one leg at a time. So you run multiple legs over the, I think it was 37 hours that we took to get there. So I ended up running, I've actually done the race twice now, but oh. in both years I ran pretty similar distance around 100Ks. I think the first year was like 96 and the second year was just over 100. So it's br- brutal, like it's so tough. But when you get to Vegas, you finish at the Welcome to Vegas sign and there is just no better feeling in the world. Like you're so sleep deprived, you're so tired, all you want to do is go to bed, but you just have this like adrenaline and I think my last K I ran like a I don't know, I wanna say like a three twenty or something, which oh might not God. sound that fast, but like when you've done a ninety nine other you just are so pumped up and you get to the finish line and, you know, champagne bottles are popping and it's just so fun. Yeah. How do you go with, because uh, I feel like Vegas has got a reputation that once they get there, you can't really just sleep. But with 100Ks in your leg and just all, all you're craving is a little bit of sleep, like what did you do? Did you get out or did you did you just pretty much put your legs up and recover for a couple of days? Yeah, so the, um, the race involves 40 teams and you all start in LA at the same time. And so... We actually came in, I think it was fifth the first year. And then the second year I ran with an all girls team and we actually ended up coming third overall. So um, coming in as one of the first teams is really beneficial to you and a very good motivation for you to run faster <laughs> because you have longer to rest. So we get in like most, both years we got in like um, early evening and then the speed project like team um, that put it on have done a really good job and we they have they hold like a pool party on the next day so they give you at least i would say about 18 hours from when we arrived anyway till when the pool party kicks off so that gives you enough time to kind of like go to your room and try and sleep as much as you can (laughs) and fuel up before you're just going to go out and party for the next 24 hours Man, what a setup. That sounds good. Yeah, thank God for those 18 hours. So, okay, so by the time you've got some recovery in your legs, yeah, you're ready to rock and roll at this pool party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then um, the day after the pool party, that's when it's, um, yeah, probably the worst day you've ever experienced because <laughs> not only are you super hungover, you're oh, like man. so tired from the race, your legs are shot and, yeah, it's, um, it's good. That's a, br- that's a brutal combination. Hey, I wanted to pick your mind a little bit about, um, you mentioned the fact that you're working for Nike or doing a little bit of work for Nike now. Um, did you say you've been with them for about 10 years? Yeah, yeah. So what are you, so what are I, you doing there? I um, was so fortunate to get picked up by the brand when I was about 19 back in New Zealand um, to be part of like a training squad. So it was a three boy, three girl New Zealand training squad. Um, and it was an amazing setup. Just we had pretty much had brands supporting us to train and try and almost live that like elite or professional athlete life without really being a professional. And Nike came on board and really supported us. And, you know, as a 19 year old and as, you know, I didn't, I guess, have that much worldly experience on the like running world stage. Uh, it was pretty amazing to have a brand like Nike come to me and want to support me. And, um, so that's when my kind of relationship with Nike started and I was an athlete for probably three years before they kind of offered me this role that was while I was studying it was the perfect I guess dream job for a student I got to go out and kind of work with athletes all around the city actually all over New Zealand and um, get them into shoes so we had this big Nike van and we had shoes um, decked out throughout the van and we'd turn up the running events or like park runs or anywhere where runners are kind of hanging out and we're pretty much just roping runners in and trying to get shoes on feet. So just getting them to test the shoes so they could take the shoe, they could go for a 10K run, come back and really know how the shoe felt rather than just putting a shoe on your foot in the store and kind of guessing whether it feels good or not. So it was an amazing concept and the concept that so many runners loved. And so, and for me, it was just a, a dream job and the opportunity to not only you know invest myself more into the sport but really invest myself into the community of running I was really able to like it it was that throughout those years of doing that job where I really learned about um I guess the the range of runners and like the reason people ran and like the enjoyment people were getting from running and you know they aren't representing New Zealand they're not on the world stage but they still get up every day and go for a run and I guess before that, I hadn't really thought about that. I was kind of like, well, you're only going to run if you're a competitive runner. But there are so many people out there who um, just ran for their own house, which was amazing. And I guess throughout that process and jumping into like Nike Run Club, where um, I kind of stepped up, stepped up as the Nike Run Club coach, I was really 
um, able to learn about, you know, I guess, different athletes in the community of running and why these different people from different backgrounds are all coming together for this fun sport. Um, but yeah, from I guess from that kind of promotional role I was in, I built my career with Nike into becoming in, uh, coming into the brand team. So I worked in the New Zealand marketing team for five years from that point and worked as like a marketing coordinator. Um, and then I actually evolved into the brand manager for New Zealand, actually, um, which I think took me to about 2017 or 18. Um, so it was, a, it was an amazing experience, an amazing role, and um, one that, you know, like, I guess is a dream role for people. It was for me as well, but I was trying to kind of do this brand manager role at the same time as train for marathons at the same time and trying to build my own coaching business. And to be honest, it just, it got a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up getting pretty sick and actually falling into a chronic fatigue state where I couldn't really do anything. <laughs> like I was just, um, yeah, super, I guess, fatigued and tired and health was on the line. And I, it was that point where I kind of was like, you know, um, the title and the stress of the work and kind of like this um, corporate ladder that I was trying to climb um, is definitely what some people want, but it wasn't kind of what I wanted at that time. And my house wasn't worth kind of sacrificing just to have a certain job title or earn a certain amount of money. And so it was that point where I really needed to, and I did, I stepped back from that role and from the marketing and brand side of Nike and decided I really wanted to um, obviously stay with the brand because I'm, I love the brand and I love everything that Nike is about. I just wanted to be in a position where I could still serve athletes through the brand but not be too invested in, um, in the background. So thankfully they kept me on as the running coach and I still got to like go to Nike Running Club and work with athletes all the time in Auckland um, and there were so many I guess other opportunities that that created for me through the brand and kind of why I'm here. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, they've been trying to get me over to Melbourne for many years. <laughs> but I decided to make the move last year and I haven't looked back. Like the opportunity here and um, what the the brand is doing in the marketplace here is amazing and I'm just like so fortunate to be part of it. Yeah. So what changed? What was the, uh, the deciding factor that eventually got you across to Melbourne? Yeah. <laughs> I always saw Melbourne as being somewhere I wanted to end up. I think I just, um, I loved Auckland and I loved the community over there and the, especially the running community. Like we had probably about 150 people turning up to our running sessions each week. And that was something I was just not ready to let go of at that time. And then when I decided to kind of go all in for trying to qualify for world champs and move to LA for a few months, I actually was offered a position in LA um, to stay over there and work over there, but the visa situation was pretty difficult. So once I kind of figured out that that was just too hard basket, um, the team, the Nike team here were like, well, they <laughs> 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 so, um, they roped me in and it was actually just a temporary role that I came over to fill for a campaign over here. And it, um, within two weeks of being here for that, kind of campaign I was like I'm staying so yeah I had like I said haven't looked back I, re- I really love the city and I love the people in the community so it's a good place to be yeah awesome I feel like there's a which part of New Zealand are you from so I grew up in a place called Tauranga uh, which is about three hours south of Auckland out on the coast there it's a beautiful place um which I'm actually heading back to I'm pretty soon I'm pretty excited about oh, that nice. um but I spent 10 years in Auckland so yeah yeah, so okay. I was going to say, I've only been to New Zealand once, which was a couple of years ago now. I went to Wellington and I felt like there was a couple, like even though it was a like it was a pretty chilled out vibe, it, it had a couple of parallels to, to Melbourne, I thought, in the sense that they just, they, they really prided themselves on their good coffee. I went to a couple of cafes there and I said to the boys that were working there as the baristas, I was like, mate, like if you're ever interested in coming over, you'll fit right in because that haircut, your moustache and the quality of the froth on top of your coffee screams that you'll fit into Melbourne. <laughs> but, oh, um, yeah, I, this is quite controversial, but I think that Auckland or New Zealand coffee is better than Melbourne. Oh, wow. This podcast is going to be banned in Melbourne. I think that's, um, I think that's illegal to, to actually to say that in this state. But um, I'm just gee. trying to boost the tourism industry. So <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's fantastic. I had a question in mind for you, and I forgot what. Ah, oh, no, that's what I was going to ask you. So, um, so you step back a little bit with with the intensity of the the Nike role, and I was looking through your website last night, and I can see that you've you've built yourself up a, a like a coaching business, which looks like it's it's online, but you have plenty of people coming out and running with you. Like, do you want to give everyone a, a little bit of an overview of what you've got there? Because I think <clears throat> one thing that that it was interesting. Like when I when I left running, I was a little bit like you. I didn't really understand the fact that there was so much joy that you could just get from through just running, and that was that was possibly one of the things that I reckon I I missed out on when I was actually competing. Was my, my whole goal was all right, train really hard and get to the top level, and then do that for as long as you can. And then it was it was just constantly like I'd go out for a run and I'd be constantly measuring my form and constantly questioning how well I was going and whether I was going to get there and probably wasn't until about two years after I stopped competing at the the level that I was competing at where I started to actually appreciate just going out for a jog and how good you felt just going for a jog and it cleared your head and your body felt good and you looked fit, you felt fit. I always thought running was a cool sport. I have no idea what you're talking about saying it was a bit dorky. I could have sworn that whenever I ran on a hot day with my shirt off that girls were looking at me because my body was good, not because they could see my ribs. But that's a... That's it. That could be hotly debated. But what I'm getting at is there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast that are purely in that that category. They're, they're obviously keen to improve their running performance. They're keen to you know, keep getting fitter. But ultimately, their goal is not to run at the Olympics, but just to get out, enjoy the sport, see some constant improvement. And I think the coaching that you do is something that would strike a chord with a lot of um, a lot of athletes who listen to this. So I thought it might be a good opportunity to give a little overview as to what that is, to what it looks like, and um, see if any listeners might be interested in getting a little bit of guidance from your from your coaching. Yeah, awesome. I guess like tapping into what you were just saying, like, and this is probably not something I've ever told anyone before, or definitely not on a podcast. The reason I run isn't really to, you know, be the best athlete I can be. I guess like I spend and I invest so much time into my own training and into like trying to break PVs and run fast times. And like, I love that side of running and, you know, it's a nice feeling breaking a PB and running fast. But ultimately when I break it down, the reason I do that is to inspire other people. Like I, my whole passion, I guess, the, white, the reason I run and the reason I speak about running so much is because I want other people to kind of feel their joy of running. So it doesn't matter how fast you are or how fit you are or what teams you're making. I think essentially like the idea of running can benefit so many people in so many people's lives. And I think that's the message that I just want to get across. And unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, um, being a fast runner is a really easy way to kind of get a voice to be able to spread that message. And I kind of understand that. And I know like, I guess the better I do as an athlete, the more people are going to listen. And so I love running fast, like I said, but I think um, to me, it's more about helping others and helping people kind of learn that message. And that all ties back to, I guess, my passion for mental health and the understanding that um, running is one of our most accessible tools that we have to kind of give us, you know, a very healthy mind and the, the, benefits that running can give us you know it's creating a purpose for us it's giving us drive every day whether you're just getting up and going for an easy run or a speed session um it's making us grow our self-confidence like what running has done for my self-confidence is insane and i'm like forever grateful for that and seeing people blossom from like not really moving not really exercising never really running to then you know a year or two later signing up for half marathons, like training every day, like setting these little goals, like that journey is what I love as a coach. And that's why I do what I do because I just love seeing people like blossom into these like amazing people who are so like, um, I guess just satisfied with who they are and like understand that their worst is not to do with anyone else or anything else. And that um, they are, you know, I guess, yeah, I just love people feeling really confident in themselves and what that stuff has such flow and effects every other part of your life. And so running is a tool, but I think what it can do for everything else you have going on in your world is amazing and what people need to understand. And I call it kind of the secret. Like if you don't understand or you've never run before, you're so out of, like out of the know. But if you run and you know how good it can make you feel every day, but like layer those days up over time how it can change your entire life like it's seriously a tool that I think everyone should have and yeah so for me as a coach I guess that's my goal and and my coaching is all online so I've been building kind of my coaching business up over the last I've been coaching for probably five or six years now um 
I started out as a high school coach back in New Zealand and worked with a private girls' school over there, which probably is still my biggest passion is working with young teenage girls and kind of mentoring and guiding them throughout their teenage years. But um, from there, I guess I just had people reaching out to me for programs. And myself as an athlete, I am definitely someone, like I was saying with Chris, he gives me my program and I just go away and do it. I don't really, he's not one who's like checking in on my split, checking on my times. Like he, he doesn't really care as long as I feel good and like I'm not struggling through sessions or whatever. Um, he knows that I'm progressing. And so that's kind of the service that I thought so many other people could benefit from. So my coaching business is very much on that kind of idea of like, tell me your goal, tell me where you're at, exactly what current, your current ability looks like, what your load is like, um, what the end goal is over whether it is you know eight weeks 16 weeks or long term and I will write you a plan that fits within that that's very personalized and very specific to who you are as an athlete but not only are we looking at kind of your current ability um, or your current goals we're looking at like holistic approach to running like what else is going on in your life so like yes do you have kids or do you work a full-time job or do you work night shifts or whatever it is we need to account for all those other stresses that are going on in your life to make sure that you are you know your load is specific and um right for you so you obviously don't get injured or burnt out and what I think a lot of people don't understand is that yeah when you're an athlete it's not just like the training that you need to take into account it's every other stress so I've actually been doing a lot of research and learning around like cortisol levels and those effects that that cortisol can have on your training and and when we think about energy output and like stress output it, it like I said it isn't just your training it isn't just the running that you're doing especially like today we're having stresses from global pandemics like what's going to happen tomorrow like there's so many other stresses in our world that we need to take into account when we're training and so when I'm writing a program I try to take all of that into account to make sure that the program is really personalized and specific for that person but yeah so most programs I send out to athletes I'm like here's a program you know I'm here if you want to send me weekly reports or whatever totally up to you I kind of leave it on the athlete's back to get in touch with me but I'm definitely not someone at the stage who kind of goes in and looks at the data and you know make sure that they're hitting specific splits um I, if people want that level of service I do offer it but it's kind of like I'd rather them feel good and feel good in themselves and kind of get through sessions off feeling versus like oh you were two seconds behind in your k route that day like what happened you know I'd rather him come to me and be like I felt really good in that session and I recovered really well um so I'm very much yeah a coach based off feeling um which is fun but I'm so I'm actually launching a new business um in a couple of weeks which is called Femi so it hasn't been launched yet but it hopefully it will be um soon after this podcast comes out um and it's all based off coaching females specifically to their menstrual cycles so I've been doing a lot of work around female athletes and female physiologies and how we need to really take into account our hormone health when we're approaching female training and so this coaching business um which I'm bringing on a few other female um coaches to work alongside me we're going to be really specific into how we program um, training for females purely based on their cycles which is yeah it's an interesting topic and there's a lot of conversation around these topics at the moment and it's really good to I think make females aware that that is a whole other um I guess aspect of our training we need to take into account yeah that's really that's everything you just said there is is really good there's a few things I want to touch on but um I'll take your last point first and that is I've, I've had a couple of female athletes message me saying I would love you to be actually able to organize a podcast around this subject because they're like I go so out of whack during my period that I just I can't train or I'm exhausted or just everything during my training month is just thrown out because I just I don't know if I'm supposed to train am I supposed to push through it and there, there's a lot of questions and obviously I'm so out of my depth because um it's just it's just not something I've ever had to deal with but i was going to say that you should um, we should even try and line you up with a couple of the girls that you're uh, launching it with and if you guys just want to hold the floor um and and do a podcast of your own i'd be more than happy for you guys to we, we can talk about that later if you like but if that's something you're interested in i know there's a there's definitely an audience for it and uh there'd be plenty of the female listeners who would appreciate that i think because it's something that um i'm not even going to try and offer guidance but uh if someone like yourself who's an experienced runner could team up with some some other women and have that chat man i reckon you'd be uh you'd be doing a favor for a lot of people out there with a few questions but 
I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your. The, the, I feel like the subject of mindfulness and mental health and stuff has come up a few times in this chat. And um, I noticed last night when I was reading the About You section on your your website that you mentioned the mindfulness approach to running. And um, oh, there's a few things I wanted to point out. First of all, I feel like that came across super clearly in the way that your website set out. I'm so fussy with websites. I get so angry when I go to a website and I can't figure it out because they've just got too much stuff and it's too confusing and it's too overwhelming. I recommend everyone go and have a look at your website because you get there and you've got four sections at the top. I can pretty much re- remember it off the top of my head. What you've got your blog, your contact, your programs, and there was one other one, I reckon. And it was just, it was about, just yeah. about, about, yes. And it was clean and it was crisp <laughs> and it was like, okay, Thank like you. all the excess is just cut out. And I thought, you know what? If there was someone that I wanted writing my programs, it's someone that knows how to eliminate the crap. And, I really like the um, – it's amazing how much a, a website can speak about the person. I, I often go to websites and I'm like, mate, you need to get your life together because your website's <laughs> which is so judgmental. But, um, but I'm so I just, glad you like it because I actually have just like um, rebranded and created a new website. So that's, that's only been up for maybe the last month or two. So oh, nailed it. You like nailed it. it. My Thank wife you. always gives me a hard time because if I, I – like there's enough problems to solve throughout your day. Like when I'm just trying to figure out a training program, I'm just trying to look at a website for a little bit of enjoyment. It's like, mate, don't make this like a puzzle that I have to try and solve. I just want to come and find like what you're about, what your programs look like. Um, but I was I was interested a little bit because when mindfulness comes up in the any subject, I, I always find it interesting when people have that ability to, to get rid of the excess and just really – um, I guess accentuate what the the main message is. In is that something that um, it? I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is with running, there's a lot of excess that you can apply to it. Like there's there's so many little extra features that you can apply, and you can get yourself lost in the data and the numbers and stuff, which is something that you touched on then. But is that something that you've tried to develop in your your own life, like that ability to be able to clear out the crap just to focus on the essential? Or have you just fluked that and you've just done everything that I'm working towards being able to do more naturally? (laughs) To be honest, I think I probably used to be a little bit more full of clutter, I'd like to say. And it's probably when I was working, trying to work full time, as well as try to be a professional athlete and, and kind of manage everything else going on in my world. And I guess I was suffering pretty severe anxiety at the time and I had so much going on I was not sleeping at all and so I was constantly in that fight or flight mode where I was just living on adrenaline and like living on cortisol and when I realized I guess I was suffering from chronic fatigue I remember the day I was looking in the mirror and I was like I honestly look like complete shit sorry I don't know if I can swear oh no go for it go for it I've broken that rule a thousand times I was like, I looked so bad. Like I just, my skin was terrible. I looked stunken in. I just, um, I had this twitching eye that twitched for six months straight. And, and I just like, my internals were not working very well. I had no energy. And um, I completely ignored all of those signs for at least six months, if not longer. Like I had health issues, but I just pushed it aside and didn't even contemplate something that was wrong with me until I guess I was forced to and I remember looking in the mirror that day being like I need to make a change with my life and you know like I'm not in a good place I was mentally suffering and I went to work that day without even really putting too much thought into it and called my boss up and was like I'm quitting <laughs> like I can't like I, can't, I need to leave I need time I need space I like this is not for me right now and um, they were really good about it and really understood my position and from there it was pretty crazy. The next day I went back to my parents' house and actually within 24 hours of being home, found myself in hospital. And that was just a massive call out sign to me being like, there is something like wrong with you. <laughs> so I actually had appendicitis, which I know a lot of people will be like, that's probably not related, but um, I personally think that it came on from the stress and kind of everything else that was going on with my body and reacting to the overload of cortisol. And so I ended up um, obviously in hospital for a few days and took two weeks um, off work at that time because I was obviously still working. And throughout that time, I was like, you know, my house is my and everybody's house is should be their number one. And it's the most important thing to them. And our physical health is so interconnected to our mental health that if we can put our mental health first, then, um, you know, like our body is going to heal and my body is going to heal. And, and so... I think I, I 
already understood kind of the benefits of mental health and um, of running for mental health. And I understood why, um, I guess, run, running had helped me until that point. I, when I was about 18 or 19, I went through a pretty dark um, place in my life where I had stopped running. This was actually before I'd come over to Canada. I stopped running for about a year or 18 months and um, I suffered pretty severe depression and anxiety at the time. And I was just in a really bad place and it was running that helped me kind of find myself again. It brought me back on track and having those little goals, you know, it was literally daily goals of like, just go up and go for a run. Like I was super unfit. Um, but knowing that pushing through that struggle of being unfit and getting fit again and how good I felt it was running that really made me bring me back to who I was and what my purpose was. And, and so I guess forever from then I was like super thankful for running, but I also understood how powerful it was how powerful it was and so when I um was suffering from chronic fatigue all I wanted to do was kind of get myself back on track to start running again and and kind of feel good when I was running because I couldn't even really go for a 20 or 30 minute run I was trying to for two or three months after quitting my job um I was trying to just like jog every now and then just to yeah purely for my mind but I was so um depleted that I just could barely move really um and so I guess from there it was really I would say it was a huge point in my life that changed my aspect on life and the way that I kind of saw the world and how how before then I really thought that like job titles and money and you know how um I guess where you were what companies you work for that sort of stuff like to me I saw that as success like I honestly thought that a job title meant that I was successful and you know I was a 26 year old brand manager for Nike in New Zealand most people would be like that's amazing but you know I wasn't healthy <laughs> I wasn't mm. my my mind wasn't good my body wasn't good there's was, to me that is not success at all and I really stepped away from that being like what to me what is success and what should it look like for everybody and and I guess that comes down to like feeling good within yourself and feeling content and happy with who you are and not having to have these external forces or things that kind of created that for you and and so I guess over the years from from that kind of incident and um, going through that journey I realized that I just want to um, focus on my mental health and my my physical health and and so I think taking it back to your question like decluttering and removing all those external stresses that I necessarily don't need like I just I think it's so important to make sure that you have your purpose and you know it and and you follow it and I think every other thing that comes into your life whether if it aligns with your purpose then great and if it doesn't just get rid of it and and that's why when I go back to like why do I run I run to be a better athlete to inspire others to run because I want to help people and my tool to help people is running I'd like I would love to be able to help people as a psychologist but I'm obviously not experienced and I'd love to help people in other ways but you know I have this talent and I have this ability and I have this voice created through the sport that that is why I run and that is my purpose and that is everything that comes into my life is going to align to that one purpose or else if it doesn't I don't need it <laughs> yeah man that's that's really good I was, I was interested in asking you a little bit about mental health because obviously the way you spoke about it on your website and the mindfulness of running I thought oh, I reckon she's I reckon she's been through some through some places because I feel like it's uh that people who find the wisdom from the difficulty in their life have this awesome ability which I think is clear that you have to to be able to give people hope through it and and I've actually this is a subject I'm really passionate about as well and and really hopeful to encourage people in because I think even though there's a lot of talk about being aware of depression and being aware of what anxiety is and being aware of the fact that's quite normal I I think a lot of people just I've been listening to a bloke called Dr Daniel Amen I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him but he's a um, mm. he's a psychotherapist a psychotherapist psychiatrist I can't remember exactly what his title is but essentially he's a brain doctor and he's based in the United States, and he's a really interesting, really interesting guy. I encourage anyone to go check him out. He he essentially looks at um, our our health in the way that you've just described it from like a, a biological, social, emotional, and spiritual perspective. And he says that you know a lot of people in our culture get caught up if they're feeling flat or they're going through a, a stage of depression, they assume that it's a hundred percent biological. Yeah, you know, my parents had it, which might be a case. They might be more inclined to have it. 
but he said it's only a small part of the pie and there's a lot of tools that you can use to navigate your way through and it's just like someone who might be overweight um, they might have a tendency or they might be more inclined to be overweight than what say you or I are um, but but there's factors that they can actually implement in order to be able to change that like they can get their health down or their body weight down to a an appropriate level through the right action and I think when it comes to the subject of of mental health and the things that you've just spoken about so well there, I don't think a lot of people have, they might have the awareness, but I don't think people have taken the time to implement a strategy or to find a strategy that can help them navigate their way through these difficult times. And um, I, there's quite a few ways that, that I like to implement, but I like to think of it as almost like a gym membership. Do you know what I mean? Like you can go to a gym once, you're going to see no results. But if you go consistently for six months or a year, you're, like your whole body's going to change. You'll be stronger, you'll feel better. And I think when you look at the mind like that, it's really encouraging because people might uh, try, they might recognize the fact that they're depressed or that they're flat or they're going through a difficult period in their life, grief. Um, and they go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put in a little bit of practice to try and improve this. And then they realize after a week, oh, it hasn't really made much of a difference. That can't be the right way to do it. But I think like you go to a gym once, you come home, you just saw like there's no difference to your physique. But as I said, like over a period of just repetition, consistency, you can see those benefits. So, um, you mentioned that before Canada, you went through a period of, of depression and anxiety and it was something that you had to navigate your way through. I was just interested in picking your brain about a couple of the strategies that, that you've used that have been really helpful um, over the time. I'm, I'm, a, I'm conscious of time as well. If you need to get going, I told you an hour and we're, we're pretty much just ticking on that now. So this is a whole can of worms that maybe you and I, if you're interested, can can line up another podcast and talk about it in a bit more depth. But but just, uh, yeah, I guess, no, as a bit of an overview. It. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to hear. Yeah, I think there's a few things just touching on what you just spoke about. I think the idea of people not understanding that there are tools, you know, within reach to help with our mental health is such an important message we need to, I think, have a lot more regularly. I guess I listened to a really good conversation. This was actually probably a couple of years ago now, and it was speaking it between endogenous and exogenous depression. And endogenous depression, obviously, that's a chemical imbalance that may be genetic and something that you do need to go on to antidepressants or something similar to deal with the issue. And I'm all for, you know, like I totally understand that. But exogenous depression is something that, you know, like, so there may be circumstances within your life that has happened to you that is creating this feeling that you have that is making you feel sad or lost or lonely. And my issue is with people who are going to doctors, and I, I don't think it's as bad, but I know it's pretty bad in, in America, and I assume that, you know, it does happen here as well. Um, people are going to doctors and telling them they feel these feelings and they are lost and lonely and sad and doctors are giving them antidepressants kind of willy-nilly and they're not really looking at like a really holistic approach to the depression so they're not asking questions like did you just lose your job or have you just broken up you know have, have you just broken up from your partner or you know um you know what else is going on in your life that may be creating this feeling versus like oh you're feeling sad here are some drugs um, and I have a big issue with this because I have seen it firsthand and I have, you know, my, I've got people in my family who have suffered pretty severe mental illness. And I guess for me, um, as hard as it has been to watch the people around me kind of suffer, um, it has helped me to be educated, I guess, and take action on why and things that I do to make myself feel better that isn't related to um, pills or drugs. So. I guess as a teenager, my sister suffered pretty severe depression, which turned into like more of an addiction issue, which she still suffers from to this day. And she wasn't that much older than me. So we were pretty close in age and seeing her go through what she went through and perhaps making, you know, some pretty poor decisions and not probably being mentored the right way and um, being involved in the wrong circles. I think that kind of led her on this path when, that when I started going down a very similar path, I kind of had her to uh, understand where I could end up if I didn't make changes. And so during this period when I was 17, 18 and um, had quit running and um, I was drinking a lot, I was taking drugs, I was kind of like not focused on myself very much. I was kind of focusing on um, the people I were, was around, which weren't good people and getting kind of lost in that kind of world which I really just didn't fit in with I so I think 
running and I've been running since I was like seven or eight years old. So I knew how good running could make me feel. And I knew um, having those little goals and having a pathway and a journey to follow could really just change my mindset every day. And so I'm so thankful that I remembered that. And, you know, as a 17 or 18 year old, I'm still relatively young, but I guess I was self-aware enough to be like, I need to get out of the place I am in and get back on that path that I was when I was at high school. And so that step of being reaching out to people, I, I, I reached out to my old coach and I was reaching out to friends and family members saying like, I need help. And I, I think this is the way I'm going to do it. Obviously through running is kind of um, what, I feel like is going to save me um, having those people around me to um, support me and help me. Like I remember one of my first training sessions with my coach, she was laughing at me because I was so unfit, but it was those instances where I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to stick <laughs> to this and I'm going to do this. And this is what I want to do, you know? So um, I think that tool of like having people around you, but also, um, Stepping away from the situation and looking at it, you know, um, from like almost like a bird's eye view and be like, if you stay in that position, where are you going to end up versus mm-hmm. if you step away um, and step back on the right path, looking ahead um, is super important to make sure that you are doing the right things to kind of get to where you want to go. But it was definitely exercise and having the right people around me that helped me get back on, on the right path for sure. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Man, I feel like we've just started scratching the surface of a really interesting topic. But as I said, um, well, if you're keen, we'll do another round soon because uh, that was that was a really good chat. I would keep talking. I told my wife that I would be about an hour and she's taken our little – we've got a, a, a four-week-old, little oh Charlie boy. Yeah. So yeah, when I changed the time last night, it was because I was being so selfish. And I so for, for you listening, I said to Lydia, all right, let's do a – can we do – Originally, I said, hey, do you want to do a podcast? You said, yeah, I'm pretty flexible. I said, okay, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I said, yeah, all right, let's do let's do 10, um, forgetting <laughs> that I had dad duty in the morning. So I'm trying to carry my weight. So my wife said, oh, all right, because he's been so grisly the last couple of days. She's taken him for a big walk. Um, and I said, all right, I'll be an hour and I'll give you a call when I'm done. So next time I'll, I'll make sure I schedule I'll make sure I schedule a little bit more appropriately so we can uh, not be so rushed. Yeah. But wait, it's no, so no, good no, to it's good. to catch up with you. It's good to see your face again and and have a yeah, chat to you. And too. seriously, I, re- I really enjoyed really enjoyed that chat. Yeah, no, it's really good. I'm more than happy to come and chat. We can have like a little series because I'd love to talk about the female health and hormone health with you, well, with your girls. Um, and the mental health stuff is definitely something I could probably talk all day about. So, yeah, definitely, yeah, let me know when you're ready to talk again. But thank you for having me, and congrats on the four-week-old. That's oh, thank amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. What I'll do, I'll put a link to, to your your website and your Instagram and stuff. So for anyone who's interested in checking out your programs and, and checking out what you're about on Instagram, um, just jump in the thank show you. notes there and, and check those out. But, hey, I'll leave you to it. Thank you once again, and uh, hey, we, we, we'll do this soon. No worries. Thanks for having me.